This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. It is an all-out, full-on free agency frenzy in the NFL right now, and your Pittsburgh Steelers are no exception to that. Players leaving, players coming back. Uh, the big name coming back, I'd say, so far is Cam Sutton, who was re-signed uh, to continue to play in that Steelers secondary. Mike Hilton, of course, a valuable member of that secondary, set to walk. But things aren't done yet, Jacob and Kellen. There are still moves to be made by your Pittsburgh Steelers and by teams across the NFL. According to OverTheCap.com, the Steelers are looking at about a little under $4 million in the cap space as it stands right now so they don't have much flexibility when it comes to the cap and signing guys but they certainly can get one or two more deals done long-term deals that are cap friendly at the beginning of the deal and one name that has started to float its way out there because he has not found himself on a new team yet and the Steelers have a need at this position is Big Al Villanueva which it was a pretty much shared opinion amongst this podcast here that Big Al was gone no chance he comes back. You can write that off. There's no way he will be a left tackle for the Pittsburgh Steelers. The The way the wind is blowing in this town now this past week, it seems like there's people trying to get this Big Al to Pittsburgh come, reunion. It wouldn't be a reunion, but Big Al coming back to Pittsburgh. It's starting to get some legs and it's starting to get off the ground. I don't know if the money's going to work, but then again, as we sit here right now doing this podcast, Big Al hasn't signed yet, so you have to wonder if the market's even there for him. Yeah, I don't think there is much of a market there for him, and I think that kind of goes to you know what we all kind of alluded to when we said that he's as good as gone as a Steeler is that you know I know that he has what a, a couple Pro Bowls and and even an All Pro I think thrown in there too, but ever since that happened, Big Al just hasn't been the same player. He just mm-hmm. hasn't. Um, he hasn't been very good, especially last year. There were times where he looked like a turnstile out there. Um, guys are just getting right through him. And, um, you know, I, I mean, really, when you look at Big Al, I mean, you know, he, his story is fantastic, obviously. Um, you know, he was in the Army and, and played like tight end or wide receiver in Army and then transforms into a tackle. It's a great story. Um, but for me, I mean, if the money works, I guess you could bring him back. But at the same time, um, you know, in the beginning of the year, everybody and their brother seemed to think that he wasn't going to be here. Um, and the fact that nobody else assigned him, that might give you an indication that eh, he's not all that great. Um, I mean, I know there's not a lot of options. Um, you know, I mean, I guess the Steelers do need a left tackle, but I think you're better off, you know, either drafting somebody or, you know, letting, you know, one of the two tackles on your roster take that spot and letting them learn. Do you guys think, I know they're different positions, but do you guys think these rumors about Big Al coming back have kind of taken on a new energy since the Steelers lost Matt Filer? I know it's a guard versus tackle, but it's just kind of... No, I do think that that's the case. Because yeah. I think Filer, or at least what a lot of people around town who knew what they're talking about were saying... Was that he could play He tackle. could move back yeah. to tackle. His uh-huh. best years in Pittsburgh were when he played at right tackle. I think, you know, it was disappointing last year when they moved him to guard. So you have a guard in uh, Dotson who's going to be a star, and you have a guy in DeCastro that you hope can just catch that lightning in a bottle one last time and be the all-pro that he is. So I think a lot of people thought, hey, it's a ton of sense to swing Filer back out to right tackle. Right Now he's gone. Now you're thinner in the tackle room. Yeah. So Good. I I think that does definitely play into it. Yeah, yeah. That's I agree. But it's just – 
would I have preferred to keep? But then again, everybody thought Villanueva would be more expensive than Filer. And the market, I mean, Filer's got his deal, and and, and Big Al has yeah, He's a charger, and Big Al's still unemployed. So kind of odd how that how that has worked out, but I did not see this coming. I didn't, I didn't see uh, the, the departure of Matt Filer coming for starters, and now that we're talking about this second headline of a possible uh, – as you said, Tom, not a reunion, but just bringing back Big Al, another unexpected thing that we are now talking about just because of the result of the departure of Matt Filer. But I got to say, you know, the Steelers have a tendency to just bring in familiar faces and, and not necessarily part ways with, with guys who are familiar with the team. And if that's any indication of what the Steelers could do in this free agency year, then all arrows should point to Big Al coming back. Big Al right now has a market value of an average annual salary of $16.5 million. Doesn't look like he's going to see all of that because he would have by now. Yeah. Unless teams are just trying to see if any other tackles are going to become available by cap casualties between now and the draft. But I just don't think he's going to get the deal that the market dictates he's going to get. Now, if you're the Steelers and you want to bring him back, you can't do it at $16.5 million. But even if you knock that down to like a $10 million a year, that's still going to be a lot on the salary cap. Salary cap's kind of a myth, though. You, you, we're starting to realize that as we see this offseason move along. This voidable year stuff, it's a total way to cheat the salary cap right. and cheat the system in the NFL. And look, the Patriots cheated the system. The Steelers, in a way, yeah. cheated the system when they With got ben, Ben's hit sure. down. Uh, so I don't think that you should look at this and say, well, they can't bring Big Al back because the cap won't allow it. They can sign Big Al to a two-year deal, add three voidable years to the end of that deal, and have his cap hit be next to nothing for this first initial year in the contract. So as far as you sitting there and critically thinking about bringing Big Al back, I don't think the salary cap is anything to really worry about. And, I mean, shoot, you look at teams like the Saints around the league, uh, they don't worry about the salary cap at all. I mean, they bring in (laughs) star players that are (laughs) worth a ton of money. The Saints signed Jameis Winston to a $12 million deal, Obviously, they got a little help because Drew Brees retired away. Sure. I actually think it was a $5 million deal for Winston. But regardless, they're still able to sign players sure. when they're way over the cap way because over. they mess with the voidable years. They know how to work the system. And every NFL team is starting to do that. So, Do you think no that's going to go away? Like, no. Do you think the NFL uh, is going to learn and say you can't be doing that anymore? Yeah, I think the NFL is a little ticked off that right. they found a total a loophole, loophole around yeah. the salary cap. and. It's a loophole that they'll exploit if they want to bring Big Al back. There's no question. I mean, it is a loophole, but, I mean, you're going to have to explore it if that is an option for you. Like, if you do want to bring Al back. It's um, not cheating, too. I mean. Right. I mean, everybody else is doing it. Yeah, it's perfectly legal as far as the NFL is concerned. It's egg on their face as a league for letting this happen, but they let it happen. Right, they did. Um, And so many teams now are, I mean, you've seen it all across the league this year, how many contracts have had voidable years now and everything else. Yeah. but I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with Big Al. I mean, then again, by the time that this podcast airs and by the time that this goes live, all of a sudden Big Al could have a deal and we have a lot of egg on our face here that he's back with the Steelers. Um, but for me, I don't know. Um, I just feel like it's time to move on a little bit. Um, and I know that that's kind of tough because his story is so fantastic and he was very good at one time with the Steelers. Um but I just think that if you want to get that offensive line back to where it was, um, you know, a handful of years ago mm-hmm. when they were one of the best offensive lines in football, 
I think you've got to bring new, fresh faces in and mm-hmm. then learn or have those guys learn rather um, rather than keep bringing the same old, same old back. I mean, I know that's kind of a slight on on Al, um, and I know you're probably going to bring DeCastro, you're going to bring DeCastro back, but I think it's best to bring young guys in and have them learn if you want to be one of the best offensive lines in football again, which obviously they're going to have to protect Ben this year. So, I mean, if it were me, I'd probably shy away from Big Al, but who knows? On Steelers.com, Wolf and Moats have a little show now, and Wolf loves to talk about how great Mike Munchak was for this team. And Uh, Wolf and everybody else in this team. I mean, of course, (laughs) but just on their most recent episode, Wolf was talking about it. And, I mean, Kellen, I couldn't agree more with the fact that the Steelers have this tendency to bring back familiar faces, but that shouldn't be the case here with Big Al just because of we've of the decline we've seen in his production. Wouldn't the familiar face to bring back be Filer, the cheaper option? That yeah, would be I the agree. better option. I yeah. agree. But I, I think, too, what I was trying to say with Kellen was trying to recreate those years of a top offensive line unit was I don't think we're going to get anything, maybe not anything near it, but we're not going to get quite the level of production we got out of it without Mike Munchak here. I think he was the best offensive line coach the Steelers have seen in a long, long, long time since the early 2000s. And to be honest, the offensive line, even with all the key guys, with David DeCastro playing at an all-pro level, same with Pouncey, Big Al being a pro bowler, uh, even with those with those guys there and being productive, the, the O-line just wasn't the same once Munchak left, and it's, it's unfortunate. Yeah, I don't want to put too much credit in much Munchak's lap for that. Obviously, he did do a, a great job when he was here. Uh, the line did just age out, though, when he left. Yeah, I mean, the players were getting older, sure. so naturally they were going to decline. And But even the younger guys being brought in really weren't able to learn under the tutelage of someone like Munchak. Kevin Dotson, though, had a great year course, learning under Sean Surrett. So you could but say Sean Surrett's gone already. He is gone, which was a little bit of a head scratching yeah. fire, but nonetheless, they have a new offensive line coach. But I do agree with you that Mike Munchak brought the best out of Big Al. I think sure. out of any one of the starting yeah. five on the Munchak era on that he offensive line, Big he molded Al Big Al yeah. into a Pro Bowl, yep. all pro caliber yeah. left tackle. And when Munch left, that's really when Villanueva yeah, started to absolutely. fall off the cliff. Uh, was he still a Pro Bowler the year after he, was, he left? But that was mainly the fan. You know, yeah. everybody recognized right. Big Al. And that, I don't even know. Stood if, for the anthem. Blah, right. blah, blah, I don't know blah. if that was even like a starting position. I think he may have just gotten in. Me when, saying stood, he stood for the anthem too. Not to get into these waters at all, but that was a selfish move from Big Al. The team said we were going to stay in the locker room, and he decided to go outside. So this isn't a guy that's all, you know, sanctimony, and he's out for himself a little bit too, just like a Juju or an AB was. Not to the same extent as those guys, but he does have a little selfish nature in him, and that's something that the Steelers are trying to get rid of. When Bob Labriola prints at Steelers.com that they were tired of the diva tendencies from Chase Claypool, that's sending a message not only to Chase Claypool, Everybody. but it's sending a message to the whole Steelers. Yeah. Like, we're not bringing back guys who are free agents and act like this, and we're not going to tolerate this moving forward. And again, this is probably a stretch with Big Al because he's not that much of a problem in that category. But there's just little signs about it. So when you add those on top of his decline in play and his overpriced market, then it just makes sense that you, you walk away from him. You don't want to see the Steelers... You know, do this four-year contract with three avoidable years just to 
one last run at Big Al Villanueva. Yeah, and what if he's bad in that last year too? And then all of a sudden, uh, you're, you know, he continues yeah, that decline. Yeah, what if decline. you sign Villanueva and he's so bad that you have to start Banner in a core for anyway? Right, you're, you're screwing yourself. What the hell is that? Right, you're just wasting that money. You're yeah. wasting that money and bringing him back for you know, like what we're talking about here. You know, that that one last run. But the problem is, what happens if that one last run doesn't work very well, right? Um, you know, I think that's you know something that the Steelers are going to have to think about for sure. Definitely. Um, you know, I'm not saying that that is going to happen, but when you look at um, Big Al's play over the last handful of years, it 100 has declined. So um, it's not exactly a very attractive um, thing for me to bring Big Al back because of that. Because um, if he's bad again, well, he's gonna, you know what I mean. It's not going to work well, and you're just kind of. Um, spending money to spend money, and you're bringing back a guy just because he yeah. was here a couple years ago. Yeah, exactly, and that's something that the Steelers just shouldn't be in the business of doing right now. They have a lot more pressing yeah, matters at no hand question. bringing back some familiar faces. But uh, some other teams that are out there, as far as uh, Big Al's radar is concerned, the Colts make sense. They have not uh, signed a left tackle yet. They missed mm. out on Trent Williams when Trent Williams signed the mega deal with the San Francisco yeah. 49ers to and stay they, there. And they got a good offensive line, too. And I know left tackle is the most important good position offensive on the line, offensive line. A lot line. of cap space. Yeah. You bring in a pro bowler that can be maybe a swing guy yep. or... He's too much money to be a backup, though. That's the problem. That's true. Is the market dictates that he's a starter, and I think teams like the Colts might bring him in. And yeah, you can go into camp as the left tackle, but there's a competition here, big guy. Yeah, and, and maybe maybe you can hide him a little bit, not hide him, but as a swing guy. And I don't think you know if the Steelers were to bring out back and he was a swing guy, I think I would enjoy that prospect. Sure. It's too much money, um, though. That's but the right, problem, exactly. Right? And then another uh, popular spot is. You gotta wonder if Kansas City goes for Al Villanueva. They true. let go they of need, their tackles, yeah. so they uh, need help on that offensive line. So maybe Big Al gets a deal from the Chiefs. Uh, that's a downgrade, though. Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher oh, yeah. uh, to Big Al is a downgrade at that tackle position. Eric Fisher, remember, was the number one overall pick. You don't waste the number one overall pick on an offensive lineman just to think that it's it's a prospect. He was guaranteed to do well, and he did. And it shocked us all that. He was cut this year, but no doubt both him and Schwartz are major upgrades from from Big Al, and the Chiefs would just kind of be grasping at straws if they tried to go after Big Al. Well, with the Steelers, they signed Zach Banner, obviously, so that's one tackle in the roster. A core four still there. That's another tackle. They draft another tackle. They've got three. I just don't think that you need to spend the money on Big Al Villanueva. You can get another tackle maybe late in the draft to fill out your depth chart or sign somebody off the the bargain pile in free agency. But as far as a big Al re-signing in Pittsburgh, I think it's a bad idea. I think it makes sense why people are talking about it now uh, as we work our way through the first week of free agency and players are still out there. I think a lot of people maybe thought Big Al would have been signed already, Yeah, uh, much like another guy that we're going to get to in a second here. But I, I just think that, you know... It's one of those moments where you sit here and you go, oh, my God, Big Al's still there. And then you have to kind of calm yourself down and say, no, we're, we're moving on from Big Al. We didn't think he would be here. We didn't think we'd be in this position where we could even have the debate. And we are. Let's just table the debate, move on from Big Al. Yeah. Let's try to make this offensive line back up, rebuild it. I know DeCastro's still there, so that's hard to do. But other than that, there's a lot of young guys that could be part of the core for the next five years. And DeCastro has much a much bigger pedigree than, than Big Al does. And he's real quick on DeCastro. Uh, Dave Damashek has been saying this on Twitter a lot. 
DeCastro was very vocal last year about the lack of fans in the stands and just the weird nature of the sure. season under COVID. Oh, absolutely, he, right. Whenever he talked in post-game... He seemed depressed. He seemed really upset. So yeah. bringing those fans back Damashek could be a little has speculated yeah. that maybe DeCastro's last year was just a total funk of just he was going through the motions and he wasn't into it. And now this year he'll have a little bit of a renaissance because he'll get to run out of the tunnel with, I'm assuming, by the time right. football starts, almost a full stadium full of fans. At, and le- at least more than there was this definitely. year. Definitely. And there will be a training camp with people at Latrell right. watching him there. And, and it will just feel like I'm in the NFL again. Yeah. Who was, DeCastro. who was the, the tight end from Atlanta? Was it Austin Hooper who spoke out about depression? The lack of fans? No, but there was like a depressional. He oh, was going um, through not something. Hooper, um, Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst. Well, I mean, he, it's very it, real. It's even not just the lack of fans. It's that you got to get a test every time you come into the right. facility. You have to wear a it's mask a while you lift. It's you have to, you know, wear masks during walkthroughs. It's mm-hmm. it's a completely different season, and you know, it might be easier for rookies to adjust to that. And younger players, yeah. as a Ben or a DeCastro, have been like, I've been in the league for ten plus years. This is the most bizarre thing to me. This isn't NFL football. Well, and I think that's the biggest part of all this. Not to go off on DeCastro. No, but talking I mean, about the line as a whole. Yeah, this is that's the biggest part of this season as a, I mean, anybody that that participated in the NFL season um would tell you that it just wasn't the wasn't same. Real, you know, yeah. it was it no one Definitely. ever thought it would be like like this. And, and um, you know, I think there is something to that. I think there's a lot of guys, probably not just DeCastro, and probably he he probably wasn't the only one in the Steelers rock locker room that felt that way. Um, you know, when you look at a lot of the guys, probably league wide, probably had a little bit of that um, sort of. I, I don't, I don't know if anxiety is the right word, but that little, you know, being down and upset that there wasn't that same right. sort of routine. Definitely, right. absolutely. Um, another guy for the Steelers that. Hold on, let me check Twitter real quick because things move super fast. And nope, still not signed. If he gets signed while we're doing this, you let me know. But as we record this right now, Juju Smith-Schuster is still on the market that that could literally change it within seconds in free yeah, agency i could change knows? later today but it, as we stand right now and he's not signed it's it, it's just interesting to me to see kind of the receivers go off the board now kenny galladay and will fuller v are still out there and they're probably the top three with juju as far as i'm concerned you laughing because i said will fuller v yeah i think it's kind of a slight <laughs> it's his name I think it's kind of a slight on Juju that people are considering Will Fuller to be the better receiver, considering his history of injuries and now his history of substance abuse. Uh, he's he he misses more games than he plays based off of those two factors: injuries and PEDs. I don't know why people are considering him to be a better target for free agency than Juju. I mean, well, sh- the interesting thing is, I don't I agree with you. I don't think he's better than Juju, but. Those are the big three, I'd feel like, and those three just aren't getting signed yeah. right now. Uh, Kenny Galladay, I heard, had a offer from the Bengals, one-year prove-it kind of deal, and he passed. He said, I'm going to visit the Giants. I'm going to try to get a bigger deal than this. Like The bigger-name receivers, first of all, Galladay, Fuller, and Juju aren't A1 receivers, no. but out of this class, they're the best, and for some reason— Teams aren't biting. They're gonna. Teams are paying money for an A.J. Green like Arizona mm-hmm. did or— an Emmanuel Sanders like the Bills are. They're they're just not pieces. a John Brown like right. the Raiders just did. Pieces. They're not really going all in on a legitimate number two at the price of maybe a lower end number one like Galladay, Fuller, and Juju are commanding. Yeah, I think Galladay might be the the 
Um, he might be a, a wide receiver one, but I, I mean, I do Maybe under- in the right posi- in the right place. Yeah, yeah. Um, out of Detroit. Right. Well, in Detroit, he was really the only option they had, so that's why he stood out as the wide receiver one. Yeah. Um, Maybe that's why teams are getting a little cold yeah. feet on him. They're like, buddy, you were in Detroit. You know, that's why the Bengals probably were like, this is a prove it deal. Like, can yeah. you really play? Right. But then if I was Gallaudet, I'd be like, you're the Bengals. Who are you to talk? Right. right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's a, and like I said, you know, a couple episodes ago, you know, it's a weird time right now for the wide receiver market um, because, like we talked about, um, you mentioned those three big guys, Galladay, Fuller, and Juju, and none of them have deals yet. And everybody else, um, you know, every other wide receiver that um, there was speculation that you know could be, you know, uh, um, you know, take Corey Davis for example, he gets the deal that we all thought Juju was going to get. Great um, point. You know, I'm not saying that that Corey Davis isn't good or anything like that, but it's just it's kind of interesting. The Jets thought he was better than Juju, or, or that he was worth that sort of money more so than right. Juju, anyways. And you know, it's interesting. Mark Madden was saying on his show the other day, he's connected. He has sources in New York. People in New York were saying that Jets. It wasn't the deciding factor, but his social media presence and TikTok distractions played into the Jets decision to oh, sign sure. a different receiver than Juju. I'm sure it's a, it's a it's a you know something that a lot of teams are talking about, right? I mean, um you know and the hope is I'm sure for every team and any guy that has this sort of off the field distract or whatever it might be, um I'm sure that their their thought process is, well, if he comes here it'll be different and and we can fix it. Um but is it worth trying to fix it. I yeah. think that's the biggest question, and I think that's something that is working against Juju. I, I think you're kidding yourself if you believe that um, what Juju did off the field and the TikTok stuff doesn't have at least a little bit to do with him not getting a deal right now. I mean, I'm not saying that's the only factor, but I do think that it does play in, absolutely. I think it does when he's asking for the money that he's asking 100%, for. 100%. Yeah. If it was like a $10 million a year kind of thing, then I think teams would be like, yeah, we'll sign him and mm-hmm. we'll deal with the TikTok later. Sure. But he's asking for $15 million. His market value says that he should get that. Teams are probably like, you know what? We'll wait this guy out. He's not. He's going he's gonna to get impatient eventually. We can get this down to... million a year instead of the $16 million that he's demanding. And that kind of goes to this point really quick here. I I saw this last night, and it's something that a lot of people have talked about. Um, But Juju Smith-Schuster, his career 100-yard games um, with Antonio Brown in the lineup, he has 10. Without Antonio Brown, he's got two. So, again, teams aren't going to pay that type of money for a number two receiver, which um, I think Juju is. I think he's at the higher end of a number two wide receiver. But at the end of the day, he's a number two. And teams aren't going to pay $15, $16 million for a number two wide receiver. They're just not. And the only teams that I think have the room, have the cap to do so, were the Jets and the Jaguars. And they just both went out yesterday and got additional wide receivers. The Jaguars just went out and signed Marvin Jones. So there's another team that no longer is in the need for another wide receiver. And those two teams lead the league in, in cap space, but they just went out and spent their money on receivers. Yeah. So what is Juju doing to himself by saying, you got to give me this money, but the two teams that could really, really afford to give you that already signed other guys? What does that tell you? I think it also is important to point out what Kellen kind of got into, where Juju had all his really 100-yard performances opposite of AB as a number two wide receiver. The teams that would sign him to be a number two wide receiver – I'm looking at the cap spaces right now. They don't have the numbers that would work. Like Seattle makes sense to me. You bring him in and mm-hmm. he's now opposite of. But DK then he's Metcalf. number three. He's not even number two. But they don't have the money anyway. So that's just not going to happen there. Um, that would you make... could talk me into him being ahead of Lockett, too. 
Maybe. Lockett's I could be older. talked into that. I think Lockett's pretty good. Uh, the Colts are a team that have a ton of cap, yeah. but they let Hilton walk, so he'd have to come in and be their number one receiver, really. So that's right, just something that, that really might not work out. Uh, the Chargers. Now, there's an interesting one. Keenan Allen's clearly their number one, but Mike Williams is pretty good, too. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they really need to go out and get a number two. Juju Juju might fall into the same category as you were saying with the Seahawks there. Are you, higher on, are you higher on Mike Williams than you are Tyler Lockett? Uh, I think they're like both it. very similar. I think they're both very similar players. Mike Williams is younger, too. Good point. So you got to take that into account. But, but okay, I agreed with you that he'd probably end up as a third in Seattle. Yeah. He might end up in a th- as a yeah. third in, in L.A. Yeah. as well. Um, Other teams. Tennessee, they just lost Corey, Corey Davis, Davis, someone the opposite of A.J. Brown. That's maybe that an could interesting happen, landing spot. I could there. see that. Yeah, they got $22 million in cap, so they could give him probably – won't give him the money that he wants. He wants right, because that's going to be saying, we're basically going to give you all of our cap space. Yeah, so I would probably say the Titans are definitely out there. I think the Browns and the Ravens Browns are really could definitely make a run at him. I think the Browns are going to walk from OBJ. Uh, is Juju the number one compared to Jarvis Landry, though? Who would you guys give the edge there as the number one receiver? I think it's really close. So then it's I close. Think you're kind of in the same boat. As the Steelers were last year, where yeah. it's like, who's the number one, Claypool the, or Juju? They're very similar. Exactly. So that's a tough spot. So hmm. basically the point being, this market is not going the way that Juju thought he was going. He not could, he the way that signed. nobody and expected. He could be, the second we turn those mics off, he could be signed. Right. But it just doesn't seem like for wide receivers and Juju especially that things are getting a little rocky. And I'm sure he's getting a little nervous right now. Absolutely. I mean, you know, and, and – do I think that? I, well, I think a lot of people thought that he would be signed by now, and I think his resume. I did just illustrate that you know he has ten one hundred yard games with Antonio Brown and two without, and that would sound like a slight on Juju. But at the same time, his resume does say that he probably should have a contract right now. Maybe not for the money that he wants, but he probably should be signed. He probably should, um, you know, be employed right now. And well, he's Juju's not. not the kind of guy that bites his tongue. And it's also interesting how silent he's being on social media. Yeah, it's weird. For the first time. For the first time ever. In like three years, yeah. Because he's not that kind of guy. Even I would have expected throughout this whole process he'd still be doing twitches and stuff like that. Yeah, and you you really haven't heard much. And, I mean, maybe it's because, like you said, he's a little bit nervous. He's worried. I mean, I would be too if I was him. Like, I'm not saying that, um, you know, if I I was I wonder if now the plan is if you're smart as his agent, I would come to him and say, hey, Let's look at taking a one-year deal now or a two-year deal. type deal. Like, Just a one- yeah. or two-year short-term deal so we can get back into free agency as fast as we can right. because teams aren't spending because of COVID keeping the cap down. Let's wait a year or two, get back into this little uh, fun free agency period, and there will be teams that are willing can, to spend. Right. And I almost so wonder. perform in those first two years. Exactly. Yeah. I almost wonder if Juju's best option now and um, is to sign a one-year deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I, I almost like one year, five million dollars. Yeah, I almost wonder if that's, that's so sm- that is such a pay cut. Though, it is. It's huge. Get. I understand and that. I say five or six million because they can't make it work other than no. that. If you, uh, for a one-year deal, they can't. And Without I'm, any voidable years, they just can't. No, do it. they can't. And I understand that. But I'm just saying, I wonder if it's in Juju's best interest. It probably um, is. Because hey, if you come back here, let's be honest. Uh, as much as us, you know, all three of us don't necessarily like the off the field stuff, and we have been beating the drum of let Juju walk, let Juju go. If he comes back and he's affordable, it's a one year deal. Let's be honest. Ben likes him, um, and Ben wants him back. We can keep him for one more year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're going to run twenty twenty back, it, yeah. you know, you can live with it one more year if he's going to be cheap. I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't think it will. But I'm just saying it might be in Juju's best interest. 
That's going to do it for this episode of Steelers Standard, but the free agency talk continues on our next episode. The other three teams in the AFC North are getting much better in free agency. What about the Steelers? Are they keeping up? We'll talk about that. We'll dive into all three of the other AFC North teams and their free agencies. That's all on the way in the next episode of Steelers Standard. Thank you for listening to this episode of Steelers Standard on uh, Steelers Nation Radio, or you can check out the podcast at Steelers.com, and you can download and subscribe to the podcast at Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. For Jacob Brecht and Kellen Gursky, I'm Tom Opperman. Thank you for listening.